All right, let's get into it, guys. Welcome everybody to Creatives Grab Coffee. Today, we're joined by Brett from The Light Factory, a video production company based out of Calgary that focuses on creating video for brands and arts. Welcome, Brett. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's, let's dive right into it. Uh, one thing we typically like to do at the beginning is kind of hear a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into the, into the business of video production and how you've gotten sure. where you are now. Um, I guess I technically started, uh, we started our business in 2014. So I own a company with another guy named Brett, which has been our biggest like marketing win ever because everyone just refers to us as the Bretts. Um, they have no idea what our company name is. Uh, <laughs> you should have just called it the Bretts. I seriously, like we, I was going to ask if you were brothers. Cause when I noticed that on the website, I was wondering, like, this can't be that they, like, they don't look similar, but, but how weird maybe... would it be if they, how weird would it be if they were brothers and their parents just called them both by the same name? <laughs> I thought it was a last name at first. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> so, um, we, uh, we met in university, we went to the University of Lethbridge, and down there, there was a fine arts program called New Media. So this covered a bit of film, a bit of art, a bit of graphic design, animation, all that stuff. It was a liberal arts degree, so you had to do some fun history courses and uh, animal psychology and all that stuff to fill up the degree. And we, both of us, focused on as much film as we could in that program. And we did a short film project um, and other kind of university projects the last couple of years of school. And very organically out of school, uh, we jumped into doing some short films. So Brett got a government grant and we shot a short couple of years out of school that did quite well. Um, and from there, it, it was quite organic. Like he was working at a bar at a time and this was our first corporate gig. We were asked to do a kind of a cooking competition video. This was in 2012. So we did that, we thought it was pretty cool. And from there, you know, doing part-time work and getting slowly through word of mouth, getting more and more projects uh, on the go, very organically became a company. It was like, okay, we're, we're actually gathering clients. We're getting computers and learning how to edit and getting cameras. Um, and it just kind of slowly grew from there. And um, 2014, we officially incorporated. And again, it's just kind of been a steady growth up until now. So, so you guys didn't exactly uh, come with the decision right from the beginning. All right, we're going to create a production company and this is what we're going to do over the next few years. It just kind of progressively went into that direction. So I guess you guys were just kind of going with the flow. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, there was, and there's never really been that big of a huge goal set on, on what the company would be. I think, especially the time that we started, like in, 2012, 2014, um, video production, you know, was changing all the time. You know, the accessibility of these cameras, the Canon Mark II, which like changed everything. Um, it was hard to plan anything really. I, I never wanted to own a business per se. I just liked video work. So really coming, coming from wanting to do film and making short films and stuff, um, you know, I guess that's where it started. And when the reality of kind of doing corporate work and, and commercial work and music videos and stuff, uh, I, I think we were both quite flexible in our career paths and understanding that this is pretty cool. Like we can get our creativity out, uh, in this way. So you basically moved from project to project as like a starting point, because I, I, I agree with you that that time around 2012 to 2014 that was roughly around the time that dario and i also started and i remember everything was completely changing you know every every five um every every five every few weeks or so there would be a new camera a new light a new tutorial uh, constantly shifting so it's hard to plan obviously but because we were also starting out we were also just learning as we went right all we all it was was from one project to the next to the next to the next but obviously, you know, after a while, we have to think to ourselves, okay, how do we plan going forward? So how did, how long did it take for you guys to get to that point? 
to get to uh, like a legitimate company, I guess is what you mean. Um, the mindset more so as well. Cause it's one, it's one thing to incorporate a business. It's another thing to also start treating it like a business, right? Yeah. I, I would say we're still learning that very much now. Um, we, this is actually quite funny. So Brett's wife uh, was doing her MBA program last year and she, as their final project, they had to pick a company and do like a business evaluation and business plan for them. So she suggested doing us and we were quite hesitant. Like, we're not like really a real business here. Like, are you sure you're going to get all the information that you guys need? Um, you know, like, in, is this going to be a legitimate thing for you guys to do? We're so tiny. We're just kind of it almost still feels like we're freelancers in a way, but it was interesting, like they, they went in and did an evaluation and audit basically of how we operate in our business. And a lot of it, we came out with like a huge amount of knowledge of in a third party looking at what we, how we actually operate. Um, and a lot of it, you know, we're, we don't, didn't go to a business school. So, you know, it was just filing away and all of our information's on Dropbox and we somehow organically created structures and stuff to operate um, and not go under as of yet. But, you know, the amount of suggestions and stuff that they've given us to, to operate and set goals and, you know, kind of just structure it in a, in a far more efficient way has been super interesting. So I would say, you know, even now we're learning so much about structuring it uh, properly. Um, but it probably wasn't from 2014, I would say, to maybe 2017, 18, when we were actually getting um, a full year's worth of work is when it was like, oh, this is legitimate. Let's make some plans and kind of go full, full bore on this thing. It makes sense that you guys had to structure it in a way where it would be self-sustaining, because if you are getting to the point where you're getting work, and it's filling up your whole year's timetable. If you're just kind of, if you got your head in the clouds, it's just not going to become sustainable, right? And it's just going to fall like apart, right? So it makes sense that you guys were able to kind of form like systems in a way, right? Mm -hmm. what, would yeah, exactly. say, what would you say um, um, some of the most important systems have been that you guys have developed for your business? You know, I mean, it's, it's simple, but kind of just, we knew what we were good at, I think at the beginning. And it was like, I think it was client relations. It was being, being very real with people. Um, and I mean, in that way, that was almost a system. We knew how we were coming off and we knew what our, um, yeah, what our positives were. So it was, it was kind of developing and maybe unsaid just how, how we dealt with clients and what the kind of review process would be like with them, um, how we follow up with them um, in terms of, I guess, structures. It was, it was keeping, you know, making a on Dropbox, like just categorizing everything as much as we could, saving projects and outputs and and archiving everything we needed to. Um, that was the big thing. And just being like, I guess, super conscientious and not crazy creatives. Like we're, I myself, I'm quite conservative in just, I don't know, making sure everything's clean and put away and uh, in the right place and stuff. So we, yeah, I guess that's how we work together and organized it. Yeah, we're, we're running kind of into an issue lately where we have to just get on top of our, our, our uh, organizational skills. I feel like our, we don't really want to use Dropbox, we use Google Drive. And sometimes like that folder gets so messy and we have to create subfolders within subfolders. And then sometimes we can't find stuff and it's because uh, it's just a mess. But yeah, it's good that you're keeping on top of that because it's it can get out of hand very easily, especially once the workload increases. You have to do audits. You have to do audits of it every now and then uh, in terms of your internal systems, how efficient it is after a while, because we had a few systems where it's like, okay, we could do laps 2.0, laps 3.0 in terms of 
different ideas that we have. And then we, re and then we realized a few uh, about a week ago, okay, we got to consolidate everything a little bit more, keep it as bare bones as possible. So we did that. And now obviously after a while, after a few months where it's probably going to get a little bit more disorganized again, you know, with all the other things that we throw in there. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting though, because you don't have a business background, uh, how, how interesting did it seem for you to look at your business from an outside perspective, how other people viewed your business? Because we as entrepreneurs don't always get such a structured view of our business from other people, you know, just little comments and passing things like that. We would typically, uh, any of us would typically get, but you got a whole audit and how did you judge your business based on seeing what that audit was like? Um, I think it was, in a lot of ways, it, it upped our confidence just to see how we're being perceived, you know, whether, I mean, most people, you know, take a look at your website and Vimeo, see a bit of a demo reel and you get a pretty good, uh, in that, I think people's opinions are formed, you know, immediately through that. And you can never, it's so hard to look at your own website and not see its faults and what it's missing um, at the same time, I guess, contradictory, you look at it and go like, well, I think that, that, that's saying everything that we need it to say. So I think seeing it from their perspective, like I said, some things, it looks like we were doing well, like, you know, with stuff like, yeah, look at these great Google reviews. That's a, that's a big thing to have on there. Um, and just seeing, I guess, getting feedback on the work again and the testimonials and all this great stuff. So, but I mean, what's missing is also a gargantuan amount of just, I guess, goal planning and kind of where this thing's going um, and kind of, and really the, the numbers, like, you know, obviously we were saying we got a full edit. So it was looking at our competitors and how they quote versus how, we quote and invoice and you know all that stuff about markups and not marking up like we were doing it quite haphazardly in a way you know we we have our we have our rates and you know we want to stick to them but we're quite flexible and that's basically how you run it like you're just trying to get work like that and eventually you, you know we've put together these structures but yeah what did i learn from it um, how much we still need to do and some of the stuff that has worked, keep on doing it. What is like one of the first ones? What is the first thing that you uh, think you might have to do after that? Or after you had that happen, what was the first thing that you tackled? The biggest thing was probably getting on a system to do invoices and quoting a bit differently. Like we would just do it through Excel and, you know, keep them on Dropbox. It was not being recorded on any sort of internal system. Um, and hours and stuff as well was really hard to record accurately. I mean, we were doing it in our, in our heads or you write it down and kind of you're getting in that zone, but like, that was probably the biggest thing. So you guys need a system that you're um, recording like more accurately everything that you're doing and, uh, and a quoting invoice system. That's not just Excel. <laughs> that was the biggest thing. We, uh, we were doing our invoices manually too at the beginning. Then we switched over to wave accounting. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. That thing is amazing piece of software. <laughs> Mm -hmm. from photoshop yeah, <laughs> we were like, doing it in photoshop before oh, <laughs> carol was like i was like carol we need this invoice he's like oh it, it takes a while give me a second i'm like come on i need it right now he's like okay you try it he sent me the photoshop file and i was like this is there's got to be an easier way to do this because <laughs> we were trying to make it fancy at the time you know and then and then we had this discussion where we were thinking to ourselves who are we trying to be fancy for with the with the invoices? They're accountants. They're not gonna care. <laughs> They're numbers people. Who cares? We exactly. went online and we found Wave, and we've been using it since the beginning. That thing is it's amazing. Yeah, that's just it. That we were the, it was the exact same thing. We we're all worried about how how it came off and the and the logo and stuff. But like you said, they really just care about the 
the number at the end, really. So just make sure you're categorizing it and recording it properly. So in, in terms of let's let's go to uh, your team structure right now is just the uh, the Bretts, so you and, and Brett number two. Um, is it just you guys? Do you guys uh, have like other people on 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 payroll or? Uh, we have yeah one. Uh, we hired someone in January, Haley, who is awesome. She's kind of our project manager, production coordinator, um, and it uh, we had her on doing um, contract work through October when a couple of big projects came up. Um, and she has experience doing uh, some producing for TV and she was kind of fresh out of school as well. So like super eager to do everything. So anyway, she is now part of the team and we're not gonna give her the honorary Brett title. She'll be her own person. <laughs> so it is us three now, which is like, it's been such a difference. It's unreal just the amount of stuff that you realize that, you know, we had to do internally, like a lot of the bookkeeping and, and all that. Um, Haley is kind of a jack of all trades. She's jumping into everything, doing Instagram and little edits there and producing and bookkeeping and in mid work and everything. So it's um, us three. And then of course, on bigger projects, we've got uh, uh, a whole, you know, community here that, um, that's quite strong and we all use each other for different projects and bring people on can expand and contract. It's good that you guys brought her on, uh, via contract work at first. So you guys can see how well you two worked together before you brought her on for a more permanent role. That's a, that's a really good way of going about it. Um, in terms of like what you and Brett do is, uh, is everything kind of split down the middle? with you guys like or does one person focus more on like the business side of things and the other person more on the creative it's uh it's split down the middle basically we all we have our strengths um uh i probably do maybe a, a, a bit more just straight editing um brett does you know a lot of the design and motion graphics work that we do um but yeah other than that like we rerun it just straight um we, we do the same things basically kind of produce and direct on on bigger projects uh, like the biggest thing actually that i guess was a unique thing and maybe you guys do the same thing is that we co-direct projects um and this even now like it, it's that's quite i think unique for crews to understand or clients um, you know, it'll be like, oh, who's directing it and who's producing it. We just found that, especially on big corporate stuff or commercial stuff, there's so much for one like director to do that we can kind of split it up and we have such a um, shorthand and back and forth that, you know, you got to be on the day involved in the vision as it's happening at the same time, there's all this external, you know, got to talk to the client or talk about getting food for lunch or whatever. And we're just kind of like passing back and forth off of each other. So that's kind of how we direct on set is together. That's very um, similar to us as well. Like we, we've developed this kind of like fusion mix of co-directing and almost co-producing at the same time. Cause like you said, well, actually, you said like on bigger sets, it's it's harder, but I find that on smaller sets, it's almost ha harder. And those roles have to kind of intermix with each other because, again, you don't have it's not unionized. So you don't have one person doing one specific job on that set. It's kind of like everyone has to kind of wear multiple hats. And like, let's say if you have freelancers on board, like they all have their own roles that they're doing. But like for us, since we're running the whole gig, like we do have to produce it, direct it sometimes be like the cinematographer in terms of like okay like no this is kind of not the vision we have in mind has to be a little bit more in line with that but it's interesting to hear that you guys are also co-directing it because to date like i think i like carol and i are one of the few companies that we knew that would are doing that but it's good to know that there's another company out there that's also doing it and it's also good to know that it is working right because normally when you think of co-directors there's normally not a lot of co-directors out there right otherwise you'd see big names up there but usually you don't it's always that one person right 
Yeah. Because it doesn't, it, it's because it doesn't uh, typically work. And in terms of aside from the companies that in, within our network, as Dario mentioned, you're probably the only other company that we know that does a very similar approach. And even out there in, in the creative world, uh, I've looked at the, um, the work of hundreds of directors and, and cinematographers over, over the years. And I've, the only one that comes to name that has a kind of co-directing style is this, uh, are these two brothers, I think, called the Twin Towers. Uh, that I remembered. I haven't seen their work in a little while, but I remember they had really striking uh, work that was really interesting. And I thought, okay, this is the only other, in a way, case study that I found that is where this potentially does work. So it's not that it's impossible, but it's very dependent on the relationship you have with the other person, you know, whether it's uh, family or close friends who have uh, who've been working together for years, like like the like our two companies or people who might seem like family but are actually just friends you know the brett's <laughs> well it makes sense in these circumstances because it's like okay if you guys are both running the business and you start off as videographers move into running a video production company if the chemistry is right and like you guys both want to take up that mental piece it makes sense that co-directors would come out of that situation right whereas like a feel like yeah in other situations it'd be rare yeah yeah i mean i hope it gets more accepted and it's more understandable especially for creative agencies where a lot of it like optically is oh you know who are they getting to direct um you know yeah just hopefully they're not they become more accepting of it and understanding that you know maybe getting two people if it works um is going to be a stronger vision like you a lot of directing, I think, is uh, has to do with confidence or perceived confidence and just saying, yes, that's what I, yeah, that makes sense and do it this way and do it that way. Even if you don't know if that's, that's the right approach to, to take, you just kind of have to go one way or the other. But I think with two people, you can be quite honest with each other, having a quick creative discussion. And also just getting different options, you know, and contradicting each other is completely fine too. Um, yeah, it just seems like it's always seemed like a weird thing for one person, one a weird job for one person to have in a lot of scenarios. I was just curious about like, um, because you mentioned with uh, creative partners, like agencies, right? Like ad agencies, because we, we don't really do a, like much, if any, work with ad agencies anymore. Like, but it sounds like you do. So I'm wondering, do you pitch the co-directing thing, or in those situations, do you guys just go like, okay, just one of us will go do it? Um, we we don't work a lot with them, um, but uh, you know, we have a bit in the past, and of course, are wanting to work with them more. And that's been actually a big question. Um, the times that so the times that we've worked with uh, creative and marketing agencies, some of the projects have been smaller, so they don't really, the optics thing is not there. So it's just going out and shooting a, a small corporate, um, but you're working with them. They're the, it, you know, they're the creative and you're kind of facilitating just the shooting. Um, in that case, they don't s seem to care who's actually doing it or directing it and stuff. Um, but there is a bit of confusion. Like for instance, we just had um, a meeting the other week and you know, the, the question came up, um, who's on your director's reel? Who's on your director's list? And you know, we did explain to them the co-director thing. That's what we kind of generally do, but we can also bring in people. Um, but it, it is still pretty foreign to them, I think, that aspect. And we're trying to right now, we're, we're kind of in the middle of doing a website revamp and getting it, getting a new design and everything, um, is how we're going to advertise ourselves on the site. It, you know, is it, you know, really blatantly put it out there that we're co-directors or we're separate directors? Um, it is a question that we're asking ourselves right now, kind of specifically to advertise for the creative agencies that have perhaps a more older view of the structure of like a film set. 
It all depends on the the type of work that's coming in and the people that you're typically collaborating with. For Dara and I, for example, all the projects that that uh, we work on or pitch on, uh, the clients are always curious about the idea, the project, how it will be executed, and they come to Laps, for example, for the team. Uh, that's how we always pitch it. We we makeshift. Uh, we mentioned, you know, like it's going to be Dario and I leading the project, and we have our team of people that we bring in based on what the needs to the project is. That's how we've always structured it. Never has there been a question of who is directing, who is cinematography, who is doing that. They don't care as long as the end result is what they want. It, whatever we, in terms of who's putting it together, as long as they, they basically come to us because they trust us. And that's the type of work that we do. Whereas for you guys, I guess, because you work with a lot of those types of uh, clients, agencies, and, uh, and companies, because they have that type of view, you have to adjust your business model in a way to kind of help facilitate that as well. So it's all about adapting essentially at the end of the day. Yeah, that's just it, you know, and yes, yeah, sticking to that, that sounds you know, perfect. That's what, how it should be. I think is that they trust you to execute however you want to do it. Um, totally. But yeah, you do have to work within their structure sometimes or speak the same language as they do. Well, the reason is because you're essentially working with, for example, if you're working with an ad agency, they're the ones that are uh, client facing, right? The client with them doesn't really care who's getting the work done. Right in a way, Dario and I are just cutting out the agency in a way by working directly with the client. Whereas if you're working with a production or with an advertising agency, they're going to be a little bit more picky in terms of who they bring on for these certain projects, because they have a certain vision. They want to make sure the people that come on board uh, can help execute that vision. I mean, we all do that ourselves with the people that we hire, you know, uh, shooters, DPs, editors, especially to make sure that they have the capabilities to execute that particular vision or, or video product. So it, it, that's essentially why, uh, it is what it is like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, great point. Yeah. They want to get it though. Cause it's like, imagine if you hire like a yep. DP and he brings on like a second shooter, but then between them, it's a shared role. Like I feel, I feel like I would be confused on my end. No, depending. Does it make, make sense though? Like, like, just think about it. I kind of get, I kind of get why now they just want one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I think I, I put it best though where it really depends on in what role in what chain of the the production you are you know if you're the production company then there's an advertising agency between uh, you and the client there's going to be more of that type of buffer you know at the same time if I bring on a uh, an audio operator I'm not going to be questioning the exact brand of every little tool that he's using as long as he is able to as long as I'm able to let him know what type of audio we need to record, the amount of people that there are, then if they say they can do it, they can handle it, take care of it. Great. That's, that's, that's all I need. You know, it, it, it all depends obviously. Right. Yeah. And of course they don't want to pay two people for one role. I mean, that's probably. That's, I think that's the source of it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, it all comes down to money, right? If they think, Oh, there's two. So do I have to pay double? <laughs> yeah. yeah, truly. Yeah. It's funny how, um, you know, there's all these questions about how you uh, present yourself and advertise yourself and, and your services. And Wait, so do you guys like charge twice, like the rate as like a team thing or how does that work? We, we do have our own individual charge. Again, usually we're also like, there would be like one less producer. So, ah, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Sometimes we do break it up on a quote, say director, producer, but on set, we're directing it. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. So That's what we do. We have, <laughs> we have producer director, we have producer slash director, and then it's, it's director slash cinematographer. <laughs> yeah. Very, That's very how we similar. split it up. <laughs> It's just for us. The client doesn't care. They're paying they the care. same amount. They're paying the same amount, but you know, to us, it's like, okay, we know our own roles with the project. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, one thing I noticed that was pretty interesting on your website that I've haven't seen any other company do yet. The right TikTok here, thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Your visual context studio for everything except TikTok. Tell us the backstory of that. 
Um, well, that was put on some time ago before I didn't realize how big TikTok would yeah. be. Literally, <laughs> we're now doing videos that I think have been put up on TikTok. So whether you probably- want it or not. <laughs> yeah. We, we um, didn't really know too much about TikTok. Like we didn't really dive too deep into it until we started we start we restarted the podcast this year and i was like okay we still we have start. it we're, we're, we still have it no no we started posting regularly we get a, we, we get quite a bit of hits on that actually it's kind of wild oh, yeah. like yeah yeah like we've been posting just highlight clips on there because we started posting on instagram reels and then when i looked into reels i was like wait a minute this is just a copycat of tiktok Basically. then i checked out tiktok and i'm not gonna lie it's kind of dope <laughs> i've noticed he started to share videos from TikTok a lot lately. I'm like, oh no, it's happened. Once Dario gets, once Dario gets into something, he goes full, full. Steam it's pretty cool, man. It. Like the suggestions are a lot better than on Instagram. I was so now I'm kind of trying to talk, like our, our friends group into into joining it because I always have to share the link, so I got to copy the link and then go to WhatsApp and post it there instead of just directly sending it over there. <laughs> well, that, why resist, I mean, Brett? Why resist? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it it does bring up a pretty good point. Like, it's actually kind of ignorant for us to put it on there because, you know, you never know, like, where video is going and the value and where that value is going to be placed. So, you know, you have to be adaptable to whatever the distribution models are, and they're changing all the time. So, yeah, I say that, but at the same time, you know, we're, you know, we're doing YouTube pre-roll, you know, commercials and clips and stuff now. So it's important to be, to understand, you know, what all these new apps and stuff that come out and how they're delivering video and what's gaining a bunch of traction there. Cause at the end of the day, your clients are using those and they want to, um, you know, they don't want to be behind and, you got to keep up with the trend, I guess. Well the, well, the other thing too is that all these platforms just copy each other. So before you know it, you might not like TikTok, but Instagram copied it. And then as soon as you post a reel on Instagram, you can cross post it onto Facebook. So now you got that happening on two platforms. And then YouTube also did YouTube shorts. So boom, there's another one. Then you can also post the same TikTok video on, on YouTube as its own thing. And it'll just post like it will be on TikTok. Like it's, they all like just copy each other. So before you know it, it's like, everyone's just using the same stuff, but I get it. I, I, I totally hated the vertical video until I realized, you know what? I watch most of, most of my content is on my phone, which means it's all vertical content. So as much as I hate it, I get why it's so popular. And to be honest, it's a lot more convenient when you're just scrolling on your phone, right? As much as I hate it as like, you know, cinematographer, director, all that jazz, like I hate nine by 16, but it's also very convenient. (laughs) But here's the good thing, though, is that what people don't realize is that if you're already creating the content for one of those platforms, like you mentioned, because everyone's copying each other, it's like getting a video and you're able to post it on Facebook, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn or whatever, you know, with the uh, 16 by nine. But now that it's nine by 16, you know, there's, as you said, Instagram shorts, YouTube, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, TikTok. If you've created for one platform, you've created for all of them. So it's not like you have to think too much extra about those particular platforms. Yes, obviously there's obviously different audiences. So you might have to think like that, but at the same time, if you want to create content that is evergreen and can go onto different platforms like that, you still can, which is the benefit now. Well, we don't have to think about that at all because we're not really marketing the content. We just, it becomes a pain in our asses because we have to shoot it, not just in 16 by nine, but now we also got to, you know, go into the camera settings, figure out where the marker section is and then, and then do nine by 16. And then now it becomes a matter of, do we have enough time to shoot the regular 16 by nine and nine by 16? Or yeah, we just but, do this. yeah, but you just double <laughs> you just double the amount of time it takes to shoot content, right? I know, I know. That's the thing. I like. I don't think anyone's figured out yet. It's like, okay, if you're on a timed, like, if you don't have that much time, like, how do you do it? Like, you're gonna have to just compromise and then just frame it in this weird way where you could use it both as sixteen by nine and nine by sixteen, which I hate because it's always like the weirdest type of framing you have to do. And then sometimes when you're it's looking generic. at it. Sometimes when you're looking at it, you get confused for a moment. You have to add those like, um, you know, the safe uh, safe 
safety markers you got to darken those all the way so it's like okay i'm specifically shooting this way <laughs> yeah no yeah it's it's funny like technology just dictates a lot of what we end up you know having to do the technology fits us into the the content in a way or the you know the barriers of how we shoot the content but yeah if, it, if that's yeah it makes sense you know a portrait video a lot of the time i mean now now our minds like it just takes a while to adapt to different things i mean now when we talk to clients and this is the thing that's you know only a couple years old for us we will if they say we want a five minute edit of this or a two minute edit of that and they don't say initially that they want social edits or the tiny smaller edits we'll just suggest that to them because they'll want them at some point so we always kind of as a package almost kind of go like yeah like also think about these edits as well because it'll be awesome for you guys to have that we're starting to incorporate that in our, our packages as well so like it'll be in the whatever package is above the basic one we'll also include like a social media package so yeah it'll have like nine by 16 edits or cuts of uh, the videos right or, or shorter versions of them for in case they want to market them on youtube right like five 15 30 second ones right because we we didn't have those before and like sometimes we we're kind of like I, I don't think we even brought it up it was kind of like if they wanted it but now we're just going to and they would ask it. yeah yeah and it also makes sense when we're beefing up um the the packages uh yeah it makes sense when, when we're trying to beef up our packages right so just to distinguish them one from the other it seems like a good way to do it yeah it, it all depends on the client and, and their needs. You know, obviously, if it's an internal type project, they may not necessarily it need the social yeah, for, for anything package. that's outbound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually curious how this is going to play with um, with a lot of branded documentary type projects specifically, because those are still big favorites uh, for a lot of companies. And I noticed that you're you guys do do quite a bit of those as well. I've seen you've done one for Sport Check and, and a few other companies as well. Um, so I'm curious how that's going to shift into the nine by 16 form, because they're long stories. They're not necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily, you know, little short bite-sized bits, but you know, well, it's easy. You just short, you just shorten the story, Kirill. The well, attention spans are not that long. I know. Like, I know. Have, you can have what the I mean is how, the long cut. What I mean is like, is there going to be that same value for them being shorter than compared to them being longer over, over the long term? I'm just curious to see kind of where it goes or how it develops over over the next few years because of the shift in the platforms. Right. I'm just, that's all. Yeah. I mean, I think content is getting both longer than it's ever been and shorter than it's ever been at the same time. Um, the question of value, I think, you know, on a branded documentary, it, I think the value does cheapen and lessen the, you know, making these short little edits, but I guess it, working as a teaser for the larger thing that's great at the end of the day i think they just want content content is big you know getting eyes on logos and and directing you to a longer piece of content but yeah like i'm sure you guys know when you're filming these kind of larger stories or corporate story or profile story these documentaries you know you're you cut it down so much even you know this two hour long interview and you cut it down to five minutes, you know, it's a lot of cliff notes and about their actual story. Anyways, it's, it takes a lot to make it feel complete and um, kind of this worthwhile emotional journey. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's, Though even those are tough to do, even, you know, taking these big stories and making them five minutes, like you're just losing so much. But at the same time, you know, apparently people don't want to be watching something so long. Well, who has the time, right? Like even everyone's time is limited. It's like, okay, I don't have time to watch like a 20 minute video. And then like, as if I do that, I use up all my free time. Right. So it makes sense that like, like you said, well, you can have like the teaser for the long version, right? That's the best way to do it. Cause it's like, yeah, okay. You can keep making long form content with no shorter versions of it, 
But 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 if you don't get eyes on it, a you won't get money to do it a second time, and b it'll never happen again. Like if you look at all these, you look, you got to look at all these platforms. Like TikTok, for example, the maximum length of a video is three minutes. What does that mean? That means that based on their research, no one is gonna watch it past the three minute mark. And I think if you look at their statistics, the the sweet spot is the one to two minute angle, right? So based on their research, if 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 their research suggested that, hey, you know what? everyone loves long form content, they would have raised the time limit to five, 10 minutes, right? But if they keep it at max three minutes, that tells you everything right there. Like, I mean, these are like billion dollar companies. So they have like a lot of money at their disposal to do this research, right? If you look at a company like Facebook, they leave their reels limit at one minute. So that tells you right there, based on their research, no one's going to watch it past one minute, right? But again, they've created like, the borders. They've created the borders for I, us to work within, right? Well, no, it's. That's I don't think. It. I don't. No, it's, I don't. I wouldn't say it's them. I would say it's the research they well, did. So yeah. then it's basically they're just telling us, hey, if you got, if you want to get a lot of eyes on this, follow this format, right? Because it's not really them. They go based on their research. It's not like they're making numbers up in the air, right? But I guess that what that says to us is that, as you know, storytellers, we have to get really good at just being able to tell a story within that time frame. Yeah. Or make something flashy at least, or, uh, you know, eye catching or poppy there is. Yeah. I, I do wonder in five years, say, you know, what, what does TikTok look like? Is it, are people going to get more relaxed and want to watch something longer? I think maybe it's like, it's a medium length that people don't want to deal with. I mean, it's really easy to watch something say it must be like up to a minute or that you know that's a that's a maximum you'll watch something for a minute or you'll watch something for a thousand minutes but you can't watch something for 20 minutes you know the movies are getting longer tv series you you, you know just want to watch it so long and you want to listen to podcasts that are three hours whatever but it's that medium length that although maybe it works better for a documentary you know, we, we actually can't play with it because I guess no one's going to watch it for 20 minutes. The other thing I wanted to quickly touch upon was uh, because you guys have already worked on some branded documentary type projects, how did that conversation go with the client in particular? Did they come to you with the story or did they come to you with a need uh, for uh, basically a particular need that they wanted video to solve? And then you helped them find the stories for this and you pitched a branded documentary to them. How did that go? For the few that we've done, we certainly haven't pitched straight up pitched the idea. I mean, sport check was different as in they had this series going already. So that was like working with kind of their, their creative teams, their kind of their own creative agency in a way. And we worked in executing their vision. Having said that, like we had a huge leeway in um, what we were capturing, where we were going, what we were doing, the interview, you know, we gave and we edited it, like had very little direction actually in, in what the final product would be. Um, so it was almost more reactive. Uh, you get the idea and then we give you what we made. Um, and there was a bunch of leeway there. Another, I, I think they're just quite popular because they, they cover, I mean, doing uh, I guess profile documentaries on people, a lot of companies, it's almost like a testimonial, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, you can do them on employees in the company or clients that they've had they're like larger testimonials in a way and everyone has a story. So we've done a few with a, um, a credit union that we work with. It's going to be a big client of ours in Calgary. So they have a lot of wonderful um, like bank members who have these crazy stories about opening up businesses. Um, they have a lot of farmers as their clients and stuff. And they all have like amazing stories so they kind of came to us and wanted to gave us some names and some people who might be who might work well in, in this structure and we um from there just kind of work with them and meet the people and do location scouts and kind of do pre-interviews and stuff like this um, 
I like how you how you put it that essentially these branded documentaries are essentially more structured testimonials, you know, with a little bit more substance because obviously all of us have done testimonial videos. Everyone in this industry has done it at this point. And it's all around the same structure of why did you work with this company? Why did you do this? How did they help you solve the problem? Which is important. You know, we all need testimonials in, in any business, you know, just to show uh, other potential leads of what uh, the company can do. But doing it in this format kind of allows you to connect more with the people in it rather than it being very straightforward. And I think that's a very uh, interesting perspective to kind of uh, portray and uh, and put it for other people to understand. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what they are, right? And if you make them cinematic and if people have great stories and you can, in the time limit, you know, uh, structure something that's like really emotional and impactful, that's awesome. I mean, I like watching profile documentaries. A lot of companies are doing them now. So it's, yeah, it's great. Well, it's because they, they, one thing that uh, sometimes is being shown is the conflict and the challenges that a lot of these people need to overcome. And that is essentially what people love to see. I mean, if we look at any of them, uh, some really big movies uh, or anything that happens, you know, with a drama series, there's always a type of conflict that a character needs to overcome. And that's what a lot of audiences are drawn to. And essentially we're, we're showcasing that in these documentary testimonials, as you put it, right. Uh, rather than it being very, straight to the point. This was our problem. This was solved. Thank you for solving it. That's essentially what a testimonial video is, but with a story behind it, these elements are sprinkled in, in a way for the audience to naturally view and, uh, and experience as well as if they also went through that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well said that they can be far more effective, I think. Definitely. So I'm just curious to see how that will translate over the years through TikTok, as I mentioned yeah, before. Sixth. Just got to make it shorter. Just got to make it shorter. Get to the point. It's like, oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Next video. Oh, nope. Next. <laughs> All that work for a quick swipe, right? It is funny. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, all the first three seconds already count as a view. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is. So is that the most important thing or what? <laughs> um, okay. Well, Brett, before we head off, uh, why don't you tell us where you guys got the name? Ooh, good question. Actually, I think Brett just gave a story. Let me open up an email. So I'll, I'll say it verbatim, what he said. He wrote it so perfectly. He wrote, he wrote it. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, um, we were like, this was, it was probably 2013. And we, we, we literally almost came to it at exactly the same moment from what I remember. We always liked the idea of, um, maybe it's pretentious, but video or film is like painting with light. Uh, ah, I like that. Famous quote. Um, so we just had that in our minds. And then factory, I don't know, is very like definitely cool hipster at the time. I think we were, we were probably seeing influences like the beer factory or whatever. And uh, we both kind of wrote down the light, light factory, light factory. I like so. That. Yeah, that's how we got. So yeah, it's, it's the whole painting with light thing. But again, I don't think <laughs> most people know us literally as Brett's or they'll say lighthouse, the lighthouse. <laughs> how did they get lighthouse? <laughs> the Brett lighthouse. They just <laughs> There you go. They can't remember our name, I think. And they think it's light, light. And then I think your brain just goes like house, lighthouse. You know, they're like filming something, lighthouse. Now, now here's a question <laughs> to kind of... Maybe this might be a question that throws a wrench into, into the business a little bit. Does that maybe tell you something about what you may need to do with the name if people are having trouble remembering it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of talking about that right now. I think we're going to drop the, the, um, a la Facebook. But what about the whole, you know, the, since they code direct actually going to the Brett's would work, work out pretty well. Yeah, that's that's the very memorable thing that you just pointed out to us. You know, at least as if you if you don't mind our perspective is that you're telling us that everyone is mentioning that they remember you as the Bretts. Is that maybe something around that that uh, that uh, you guys should maybe explore or not? Yeah, like again, we've been kind of talking about all that, um, and it's it's interesting because 
you know, you ask yourself who you're um, advertising to, and you don't want to come off as too small, I guess, in a way. So, you know, it's kind of contradictory information, but you hear you need to be yourself and people, you know, people really love you guys. So kind of, you know, be yourself and kind of show who you are and be really personable and, you know, talking kind of first person on the website. At the same time, you don't want to feel like you're just this kind of small crew who can't do these bigger projects. So do you hide yourself a bit more on the site? (laughs) There's a balance. It's hard to find that balance because it also, I feel like everyone in this industry flip-flops from that, especially when you're starting out, the first thing you want to do is make yourself seem a little bit bigger than you are. I remember the first year that we were uh, going into business, every client that we got, we really put that front and center as like, here's the work that we have done. Here are the projects. Our team is, is very, very experienced and we know what we're doing, but obviously, you know, (laughs) then over time, you also want to show who is behind the business and personality is key. You know, you'd also don't want to be another, um, you don't want to be another kind of faceless company, faceless and baseless company, you know, that not having really, um, something to you that distinguishes you because, you know, at the same time, everyone can create video, but what distinguishes you from, uh, other people? It's not necessarily the work because yes, that is one way to do it, but what is behind, what is it that creates the work? Who is behind the work that is able to produce that type of, uh, project and, you have you have to showcase that and from what we see right now you guys are doing that which is great and you know continue what you're doing with that i I would caution you though because be careful with the seo uh end of things because yeah if you do just consider that yeah (laughs) the light factory you might you're gonna have to start from scratch with the breaths so that's you you got a long journey ahead of you if you're gonna make that there's a lot of breaths out there too i don't know if we want to compete with all yeah yeah i would say if you get a third Look, if at you get this a third point, you've solidified, you've solidified your SEO standing. I would say, like, careful not to lose it, man. Yeah, that, that, this is true. Yeah. You know, if you, if they find a third, they can call themselves the triple Brett, you know? Like triple, triple threat. threat. Like triple threat. So dumb, Carol. <laughs> Sorry, just the... We only specialize in TikTok videos at that point. Exactly, exactly. Maybe a separate company just for TikTok, right? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay. Well, Brett, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll reach out to you sometime in the future to see where you are at, see what uh, what you decided on the name. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This was super fun.